0: Hey, podcast listeners, want to let you know about a slight change happening to your podcast subscription in the new year. Come January 1, if you have been previously subscribed to this podcast, you will find yourself unsubscribed because we're making a switch in podcast hosts. I barely understand it myself. But what I do need to tell you is that once the new year comes, you need to search Apple Podcasts or Spotify for this podcast under the same name, and resubscribe you'll have access to all of the old content and new content will automatically be uploaded to your device so thank you for your patience with that and we look forward to bringing you more content as we go along
1: welcome to the ross road connect podcast i'm holly
0: and i'm craig
1: and we are your hosts as we talk all things church life theology faith and beyond
0: Welcome into the Ross Road Connect podcast. I'm Craig and here's Holly. How are you, Holly? Happy New Year.
1: Yeah. Happy New Year to you as well, Craig.
0: Thank you. Yes. Um, Do you do anything for New Year or is it like a big deal or?
1: Yeah, I feel like usually I host like a New Year's party at my house. Um, But last year, I remember specifically that my New Year's was actually spent on Discord with my family, like my cousins from Edmonton and like kind of just friends. um so that it was actually like really really fun i was just reflecting on it recently and i was like man this that was one of the highlights of my year even was just reconnecting with those cousins and just the fact that yeah we spent new year's together and we celebrated it twice because obviously they're from edmonton so they're an hour ahead so we had a right. double new year's and uh yeah it was actually very fun nice. but um of course with you know lesser restrictions this year i will be seeing people in person but uh yeah, yeah this should be should be fun what about yeah. you
0: yeah well and hopefully that's still true in two weeks when it's yeah, actually exactly. new year's. i mean we're talking about this ahead of time but um true. no we've ever since we had kids actually maybe even before kids um new year's is kind of anticlimactic like mm. especially when you have young kids because i bet they're getting up at six and if you stay up until midnight you're not getting any sleep yeah um and that's six hours is not enough for me. It's enough for you probably, but it's yep. not enough for me.
1: It started the be, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I yeah. can
1: function off of it. Yeah.
0: So um yeah, we typically haven't really done much. We'll we'll just stay home, um, be boring. Um, watch
1: <laughs> but do you, you at least stay up until midnight?
0: <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes
0: <laughs> there have been some years where like i was preaching on the first like it was a sunday right like, oh yeah totally or other years where i'm just like this isn't worth it i'm going to bed yeah um this year we might have some friends over so oh, nice. maybe it'll be a little more exciting
1: yeah uh, we'll see i don't know i, mean, like, I
0: remember though y2k which you wouldn't oh. remember
1: No, you know, what? I I was only, like, six, so I do remember, like, the house that I was in for that night, but I had no idea, of course, that there was this whole, like, conspiracy with Y2K. I was way too young to know that, and, like, my parents wouldn't have talked about that at all, so I don't remember any of, like, what the culture would have been like around it, but I do remember that year.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember we had uh, Rick and Monica and their family over to our house, and you know, kind of like, what's going to happen? Is it going to be like, is everything going to blow up? or Is (laughs) Is the
1: rapture going to (laughs) happen? Is
0: the rapture going to happen? Because the computers haven't been programmed to turn to 2000, you know? Oh,
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. None of that happened. I read about that actually in one of Larry Osborne's books. He talks about the Y2K thing and the big conspiracy theory. And he's he said something like the only thing that went wrong were like some slot machines in Delaware or something to,
1: yeah. to work properly.
0: Like, that was it.
1: <laughs> oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah,
0: crazy times.
1: Oh, that's so, so funny. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I think, like, my New Year's as well, like, my New Year's things at my house are also usually pretty low-key. I just actually, it popped into my brain that two years ago, we completely missed the New Year's countdown. Oh, like nice. we had we were up and we were fully like, you know, getting ready to like cheers at midnight, getting all prepared. And then by the time we like sat down to look at the T V, we're like, oh, it's like twelve oh two. We definitely missed it. <laughs> so you know what? That was how we started off the year twenty twenty. So uh, I think that it was my fault. It was it's your yeah, fault. Yeah. Twenty twenty yeah. I will take uh responsibility for.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well You've got a lot to make up for in coming years then.
1: Yeah, that's, gosh, that's true. (laughs) So much went wrong.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, um, one of the things that um, I have loved in the years, uh, you will uh, not love this at all. I can guarantee it. But now, Mike, Mike, (laughs) how did you know?
1: (laughs) Um, I know you so well.
0: also love this now is the year-end, plays of the year highlight shows where they like count down the top 100 plays of the year or something like that
1: you know what i uh, i love that for you though (laughs) that sounds like if i was into sports that would be great
0: yeah they also do like the top 100 bloopers um which is kind of fun yeah but um So my kids started watching this and they start asking about it already. Like, when is that coming out and can we watch it? Yeah. And really what they like to do is count how many different plays of different sports there are. And then they pick one to like cheer for. So Kenzie wanted to see all the basketball highlights. I don't know why she's never showed any interest in basketball (laughs) at all. Until now. But she's like, I'm cheering for basketball highlights. And um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes.
1: That's awesome.
0: But anyways, we're taking that idea to the podcast, Holly. That's, That's true. Where I'm going we are. Yeah. We're yeah. doing the stereotypical year in review. And we, uh, we, as just told you before we started, we recorded 28 podcast episodes this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, way to go us.
0: <laughs> that feels like a lot. Um, it does. We try to do one every two weeks, and we did a little better than that, actually.
3: We
1: did. Which,
0: and I think we started out the year a little slow, so we must have picked up the pace at some point throughout the year. So We
1: must have, yeah, because I feel like it's only been, I don't know why I feel like it's only in the last couple months that we've been really consistently putting them out every two weeks. Yeah. But maybe, yeah. I mean, my memory is just bad altogether, but if you're thinking the same thing, then I'm not out to lunch. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um yeah, we we uh we we put a lot of work into this. We've interviewed a lot mm-hmm. of interesting people. We have and talked about a lot of interesting things. And um so what we wanted to do is we've picked six of our favorite episodes and we've picked a clip from each of them. These clips range from 5 to 15 minutes long and uh talk about different different parts of of um, that interview what we found most interesting we're highlighting for your year-end listening pleasure Um we'll have to so, it'll be
1: called the Ross Road Connect podcast wrapped like it'll be like our own Spotify wrapped thing yeah, over here
0: that's what it is I don't yeah. know Spotify so I barely know what that means but
1: uh, you know it's like I your know, year in review
0: right your yeah. stats or whatever what that's you right to.
1: exactly yeah, yeah yeah that's right
0: Um, yeah. So do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, definitely. I can do that. So I was reminiscing on our adventure camp recap podcast. This was episode 45 and I was actually kind of just going through to, you know, listen to what parts really stuck out to me. And I ended up re-listening to the entire podcast and I was just, yeah, really encouraged by just remembering back to that week. I was an interview with, uh, Travis Martin's Caleb Rosborough and Gabe Peters. And it just for one reminded me of just how great a year or a year rather how great a week it really was. Um, so kind of the questions that we'll look at on, on there was how did they feel like they grew throughout the week? And how do we see God move in the week? And it was really encouraging for me to listen back and then look at our first couple months of this youth year. So like September to December, because a lot of leaders who led an adventure camp then decided to be youth leaders this year. And the culture kind of atmosphere that we have in youth leadership this year is fantastic. Like it's good every year, but there's something, I've said this a lot, there's just something so special about this year. And we have mostly high school kids leading our middle schoolers. And it's been amazing to, I guess, think back to Adventure Camp and see some kids who are kids, see some of the teenagers who were kind of just starting to think about that during Adventure Camp. And then there was moments in that week that for them, they said, oh, I want to, I want to do this now. And then just to mm-hmm. see how far they've come in the last couple of months and seeing their confidence in their leadership abilities grow. It, so yeah, it was cool to kind of start listening to that podcast again and then reflect on the rest of the months. So yeah, this is episode 45, Adventure Camp Recap. Yeah. So I would love to know how you guys felt as us, particularly for Caleb and Travis is how do you feel like you grew kind of as a person throughout adventure camp? Why don't we start with Caleb?
3: Yeah, this one was kind of a hard one for just to think about, cause there was a few things, but I think the main one for me um, was when I had to give my message. Cause if you don't, if you don't know, I was the intern this summer. um and part of the part of what comes with that is that I was, I had the opportunity to give a message at a venture camp. I'm trying to have the, the positive outlook on that because yeah. uh, the public speaking is not something that I do often. And it's not something that I think that I do. Well, apparently it, um, apparently it went well, which was it really did. good. And I was going to get to that, but um, just in my head, I don't think that I'm a good public speaker and stuff. Um, So um, leading up to that message, there was a lot of like pent up like nervousness and stress and stuff like that. Um, But I think the, the part where I was able to grow was just um, asking God for help and stuff like that was just, I was like, this, I can't do this myself, or at least not in my head mentally. I can't do this. So I need your help. Um, and so when I stood up, uh, and gave my message in my head, I was like stuttering and umming and on, awing, uh, awing and all that sort of stuff and it not being clear at all. And, you know, there was a couple of times where my brain decided I needed to swallow in the middle of a sentence and stuff like that. Like, it was just, it was really hard, but afterwards, apparently like, you know, Holly and like, everybody told me I did a really great job and stuff like that. So I, I don't know if I, I don't know if you're just all being nice, but like it, it, uh, it was, um, that was being able to like having that opportunity to be stressed and trust God with that stress was an area where I felt a lot of growth. So,
1: yeah. And uh, yeah, no, honestly, we're not just being nice. You definitely (laughs) did a good job. You could, cause you didn't come across as though you were like really nervous like you could tell it was like you were a little bit nervous but it wasn't like it wasn't something that like overshadowed your whole thing like I think it was just yeah. like a normal level of nerves from anybody who speaks on stage so okay. I think you did a great job and the content was uh the content was great too so awesome yeah I feel awesome. good about it
4: mm-hmm. thank mm-hmm. you <laughs> it was the it was the best small group time ever the kids were paying attention oh, wow. uh and they answered answered most of the questions we had the small group time afterwards so that's all on you you did a yeah. great job articulating what you were talking about. Awesome. Thank nice. you.
1: Mm. Yeah. So uh, what about you, Travis? How do you feel like you grew, grew throughout adventure camp?
4: In so many ways. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I want to be a youth pastor when I finish yeah. school. And part of that is uh, being uh, a middle school leader. And I haven't done middle school youth in is it three, four years now.
1: It's been a while now that you've been in high school youth. I think, it's been maybe three years
4: yeah and I haven't done adventure camp since 2015 so that's around six years too so it's been a long time since I've had to um, deal with isn't the right word but like I had to be in the same room as middle schoolers and like have their energy and get on their level and so I feel like this adventure camp was a good uh, time for me to get back into that and realize, okay, so this is like, learn how to how to be a middle school leader again. I feel like this mm-hmm. was something really, really impactful and really important for me to, to understand. And kind of like what Caleb was saying too, trusting in God, because there were days where I was emotionally exhausted, or like sometimes, you know, some kids were misbehaving and I had to remember, okay, this is what you do. This is how you handle this situation but also God is with you and I feel like trusting in God in those moments where I felt completely like just I have no control over anything so yeah it was, it was
1: a good time nice
4: yeah it was uh,
1: it was fun to have you back in uh, middle school for sure mm-hmm. yeah
4: I booked oh. off next week next year for for this Holly so I'll be yeah. back next-
1: <laughs> 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 oh yeah I just middle school is so much fun and people constantly ask me like oh how do you deal with middle schoolers all the time like i don't but i'm like it's literally so easy like middle school is <laughs> so much fun they're at such a unique age and especially like kind of the eighth grade you really see i don't know things changing like i always think of like travis like your brother joey like i always just think mm. like in grades six and seven he would always bug me so much and would just like whenever we play games he'd like be like oh everybody get holly and like everybody (laughs) like gang up on her whatever and then i just remember in eighth grade one day he just came up to me and he was like hey holly how's it going and i was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) you can see the shift that happens. they realized like oh i don't actually need to like bug you anymore. We can just have a normal conversation. So I just, I think, yeah, eighth grade, especially eighth grade and ninth grade, there's like such massive changes that are happening and I love getting to be a part of it. So Mm -hmm. it's a ton of fun
3: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's definitely I agree it's definitely cool to see that and I actually remember Joey being like that
5: Yeah. <laughs> I, was the, I
3: showed up in grade seven and that was Joey and then in yeah. grade eight he changed so uh, yeah <laughs> but yeah no I've I've uh, it's been cool to see that in the kids that I've led at youth too so mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah.
3: so in what ways and we'll start with you Holly
0: what ways did you see God at work this week
1: yeah honestly in so many ways and I think one of the biggest things was I saw God move, I think, the most in our leadership team, because um, I think there was a lot of kids or not kids. You guys are, you know, teenagers, um, but not more than teenagers. I'm 22, Holly. Yeah,
6: legally, you
1: know, no, yeah, you guys are young adults, but most of our volunteers were teenagers. Yeah. And so a lot of them went into the week kind of thinking like, oh, maybe I want to do youth leading, but I'm not really sure. And coming out of it, almost like everybody who was there at least expressed some interest in wanting to youth lead in the fall. And a a couple of them at least are like confirmed like leading in the fall. So, and it was actually, it was at one of the, it was at our overnighter when we have a session. It was kind of when we have that reflection time That one of our leaders like took that time and came out of it being like I feel God like saying to me like that I I want to be a youth leader so I just think that was so cool and it was cool to hear stories about leaders who on Monday were kind of like struggling and then at the end of the week um I I know one leader in particular said like this is the closest he had felt to God ever and uh, he Mm -hmm. even said like I've felt myself grow so much in this week And I just think, yeah, seeing that's, I think where, that's where I saw God's hand the most was just in this team. And there wasn't really any time, like maybe on Monday a little bit just to get started, but there wasn't really a lot of times where I had to be like, oh, go hang out with your kids. Like you guys were just on top of doing it. And you guys, you could just see there was that heart there to just want to connect with them. So Mm -hmm. I definitely saw God moving the most in that. Um, I saw it moving a lot in the students. Um, to just see kind of their joy, I think after such a hard year or years that we've had, um, so I just yeah, I felt a lot of joy in this week, and I know that's all because of God. So yeah, that's me. It was it was,
0: a, it was interesting for me to have a totally different perspective on the camp um, mm-hmm. because I ran it myself a handful of times and I was always working with leaders. Yes, but it focuses on the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I just I affirm what you're saying like watching the leadership group come together and it made me realize that we do this camp for the kids yes but maybe like 60 40 for the kids and then 40 for like leadership development like because it's it's key like it's it's really uh, intense throw you in there and you've got to figure it out and that's how we grow as people and as leaders and so to see that happen is perfect.
1: Love it. Yeah. And especially like I like I let leaders start because generally when you start middle school, you're leading in the year. I like you to be going into 11th grade. But for adventure camp, I said like, oh, a couple of you, if you're going into 10th grade, then you can do it. So it definitely starts a lot younger. And I think that does get the wheels turning for like, oh, do I want to do this when I can? And uh, yeah, especially, it's funny because you really are thrown in like head first, like especially the overnighter day, it's like, oh, we are with kids from Wednesday morning at like 7.30 a.m. until Thursday at 5 p.m. And you could just tell we had our meeting like the uh, (laughs) Wednesday night when the kids are watching the movie and we all are just kind of losing it. Like you could just tell we're all out to lunch or whatever. (laughs) uh, Yeah, but it was- Next year we
4: need to pick a longer movie. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh man it was uh,
4: awesome <laughs> yeah uh travis how are you seeing god move so holly stole my answer i was also going to say <laughs> in the leadership so we'll just touch on it quickly and then i'll talk about i guess my second second highest rated i saw especially with my co-leader because uh, he was i i've been his like uh middle school and high school leader since he was in grade six so I've seen him grow from this little kid who would hide in the fireplace yeah. to now he's leading a small group of grade eight boys. And I just, I had to step back and like be like, wow, this is really cool to see. Like, this is what's going on. And then like also Caleb's brother, Matt, is also leading grade six boys. And I was his leader for a little, uh, and his leader now uh, started a few years ago. So it was really cool just to see like my small group now mm-hmm. take on leadership stuff. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. I felt that yeah. like, giddy inside
5: mm-hmm.
4: um and i thought that both of them did so well with like managing these like rambunctious kids running around if they knew if the fireplace was there i'm sure they would hide in it but <laughs> thankfully they don't have to deal with that so yeah. i just really want i want to shout those two out in particular mm. um and then the second thing secondary that i thought, thought i saw god work the most i think would be in some of the students um especially like our group was too cool for sitting in the front row. So we sat in the back row and it gave me an opportunity to like watch and like observe and like look at everyone, all the, all the students. And I can see from like the grade nine girls in front of uh, our group were like uh, really getting into the worship. And then the grade six boys, all of them were paying attention to Holly's sermon. And I thought it was just so cool just to see them. Like I don't know how much of it they're retaining, but they're retaining some of it. And God is always at work planting seeds and we don't know like when what series of their spiritual journey that they're in but Mm -hmm. they're growing at whatever pace they are and whatever is going on so I thought it was cool just to see them all engaged in everything that we were we were talking about and doing Mm -hmm.
1: it's so true they were so engaged with everything like it was like such focused attention it was incredible and I also just yeah I would love to shout out Matt there was so many times when I just looked at him, It was even like the second day. And I was like, Matt, all the light is gone from your eyes. Like <laughs> he, just now he had such like, cause he had grade six boys. And so there was so many of them and he just, you could tell it was a, it was a more, like they were still, they were very respectful, but obviously grade six boys is a, a hard group for sure. Yeah, um, yeah he did a great job.
0: So next up episode number 43 with Dr. Kenton Anderson. Uh, who is the president of Providence Theological Seminary. Uh, He was my professor at uh, Axe when I took preaching courses, and he's kind of a preaching guru, if you will. He's written a few books on preaching. And so obviously this is a topic that I uh, find very interesting and um, always want to learn more about. And some of my style and some of my preparation techniques and whatnot were picked up from him in his class and so i was very glad that he agreed to take some time out of his new job to spend a few minutes with us and uh he talked on a wide range of of preaching topics uh all of which i found very interesting um one of the questions we asked him was when he preaches himself does he prefer to think of topical or uh, expository kind of preaching and the difference between those two things of course is topical would be looking at uh, a given uh, a given topic like we're going to talk about marriage or we're going to talk about um um now i can't think of a single topic that we might <laughs> talk about,
1: <laughs> about gonna, marriage and that was marriage it. <laughs> and that's it
0: those are the only topics we might talk about oh,
1: gosh.
0: Uh, or we might talk about like social justice mm-hmm. or uh racism right like these are topics that we might uh start with the topic then look at the bible and see what mm-hmm. it says expository would be like no we're working through the book of Matthew and we'll talk about what Matthew says and we'll limit ourselves to that and some people are very passionate on both sides of this debate saying you should be topical because it's relevant or you should be expository because it's biblical and I really appreciated how his answer kind of brought those two things together so let's listen in
1: so would you say you advocate more for expository preaching or more topical preaching or a mix of both
6: well I, I... I don't find it constructive to uh, distinguish between the two. You know, I, I like to talk about expository preaching with a low case E, you know, and not a capital E, you know, as if it's a, a, a specific form and structure and set of expectations uh, that become almost legalistic sometimes for preachers. Uh, I, I, but I do believe in exposing people to God's word and to the person of God himself by means of his word. And so, um, you know, I like expository in that sense, but, and, and anytime I, I believe that anytime we effectively open the word of God and help people hear what, what he's saying through his word, we're going to be topical. Yeah. <laughs> you
7: <know? laughs>
6: and so, um, you know, I don't care which side, of, which side of the ledger you come from, but so... Like I get invited a lot to speak at churches, and sometimes they'll give me a biblical text to preach, and I can tell they're expecting a quote expository sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'll do then is I'll take that text and I'll try and figure out what the theme is, or what the topic is, or how this is going to be meaningful for people on the ground in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, other times they'll they'll give me the to me the other way. They'll give me a theme. They say, you know, for instance, they might say, you know, we're going. Uh, I don't know. We, we want a sermon to help people deal with anxiety mm-hmm. and worry. Great. Okay. I'm, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look for a text in scripture that that offers me that. So I might go to Matthew chapter six, you know, and, and you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think yeah. we want to, I mean, mixed is an okay word. I, I, I like the word integrate, you know, this idea of, of bringing these things together in such a way the text and the theme or the topic in such a way that they're both enhanced and neither is compromised. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: I love that answer, Uh, because I I sometimes have, and I'm sure you have two people who say, we should just be working through a book of the Bible, we don't need to talk about topics, to which I want to say, well, if we go through a book of the Bible, we're going to talk about topics, like these topics will arise as we apply the scripture to life. And then the other way, people will say, well, we should talk about these topics, to which I say, well, we have to root that in scripture. So let's look at it through the lens of a text.
3: Uh, that's exactly right I,
0: yeah. it, it, a
6: great story like that i when i first started uh, my ministry up in prince rupert I, I decided to begin by working through the gospel of mark mm-hmm. and uh and that was great because i was a pretty young guy i was probably 27 years old and um and that's okay it's old enough to preach and, 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 all of that. <laughs> and these people were really gracious and and uh, you know but i wasn't planning for what was going to come when I hit chapter 10. And, uh, you know, chapter 10 dealt with uh, divorce and remarriage. Mm-hmm. And you think me as a relatively newly married, you know, 27 year old, I uh, would have chosen to ever <laughs> you know, touch that topic. Yeah. Yeah. Not likely, but yeah. there it was, you know, I couldn't duck it. So I went ahead and preached it and just, just help people appreciate, you know, this is what the Bible's saying here. Let's, let's just take it on those terms and, and, uh, hear it from God, not so much from me. And, and people seem to really appreciate that. So, yeah. um, yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, the scripture applies to so much of life. And so. We, you, and, we if,
6: and if there's something in life that, that, um, uh, okay, I'm going to get controversial here.
0: Is that yeah. okay? Yeah, do it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Sell this podcast. <laughs> um, you know, I've also said to my students, sometimes we want to preach a particular topic and we can't find a biblical text to support what we want to say Mm. you know that might be a clue right (laughs) (laughs) like like for instance these days there's a lot of pastors who want to say some pretty strong stuff about politics yeah or about i don't know masks or vaccination or, or whatever Okay be careful. You know what is yeah. what does the scripture give you that you can say with confidence about those things? That's right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I won't I won't play my hand here on that one,
0: but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, and that that's a, that's a really good point. I was saying just to someone the other day that every time I preach, I have to ask myself, is this the scripture talking or is this Craig talking? Because there's a difference. Yeah. Uh, I'm not here to present my opinion on things. Right. Uh I'm here to present the scripture,
6: and you know what? Once in a while, you, you can offer your opinion. Just make sure they know that's what you're doing, right? Yeah. You know? So, so yeah. I'll say something like, "You know what? Let me give you my opinion on this. I can't give you the Bible on this one. Yeah. Can't give you chapter and verse. And so, you know, take it for what it's worth. But my opinion on this is such and so. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and people seem to receive that all right if you.
1: So next, we're going to hear a clip from episode 30, which was an interview with Andrew Evans. So Andrew Evans was my professor uh, for youth ministry, all things youth ministry, while at Summit Pacific College. So he was the head of the whole youth ministry program. So I had a lot of classes with him. And it's funny, I was also re-listening to that podcast. And uh, I mentioned in, I think, the beginning that Craig and Andrew were kind of the two people that molded me as a youth worker so it was yeah it was really interesting to go back and re-listen to that podcast so kind of the stuff that um we talked about a wide variety of things in that podcast and we talked about um his kind of perspectives on youth ministry but also like online church at large but the question that we're gonna hear right now is what do you think are some of the biggest challenges currently facing youth workers and even parents while in discussion with teenagers so we'll talk a little bit, or we'll hear him talk about loneliness, and then uh, his perspective on um, like thing, issues of like soji and those kinds of things. So yeah, here is our clip from our interview with Andrew Evans. Great tool yeah. for
7: digital discipleship, but yeah. beyond that, how do we take the disciples recognize this is a, this is it's not a physical place, but it's a real place, mm-hmm. it's a real space, and the the actions and the values and all that that are taking place in there affect our spiritual walk as well. And yeah. so how do we help youth become discerning in that? So I think that's one of the changes mm. that we'll see, or we need to see anyways in youth ministry. Um, well, that, I think people crave community too much to, for everything to be online. Like my daughter's telling me the other day, you know what, I, I don't want to go to Zoom youth. I want to go to real youth. Mm. Yeah. Right? They want to, they want to be with each other. And, um, and hopefully as time goes on, um, the, the restrictions are lessened uh we are we're able to have more of that community because that community is so important in adolescence it's one of the most significant yeah. pieces um and so so that'll that'll be that that's something we think about but then the what doesn't change is our mission right mm-hmm. we're still called to to go into the world to make disciples you know teaching them baptizing them teaching them to obey the commands of christ you know helping them to love their neighbor um and reaching those that don't know Jesus, bringing them the hope of salvation into their lives. And, uh, and so, yeah, the way we do that probably changed. Cause I I was listening to, um, uh one of my students dads was talking about he's in Ontario and he was talking about uh what, what about the future of buildings like what are, what are mm. buildings going to be used for and he said like you know we need to think beyond like this is the, where the church just gathers but this is this is how we make connection with our community mm. and so our, every part of our, our church this is what he's arguing is it's a, it's about connection over content not that content's not important but every element of the church that they built a new church, so they're thinking through this, you know, philosophically, theologically, every element of their church needed to be able to f- facilitate this idea of connection. So how do we mm-hmm. connect? And not just with those in the church, but those in the community. And so I think connection in the next few years, particularly are so significant because so much connection has been lost with COVID. People just don't know how to connect in a digital world, mm-hmm. right? Right. They, wow. they had connections, but we know from the research, you can read all the books. Like um, uh, Sherry Turkle has a great book, uh, Reclaiming Conversation, about how social media has really hindered our ability to have conversations. Mm. Right, And how do we get that back? Um, and then there's another one called The Happiness Effect where it's like social media, all we want to do is on social media, it's just, you gotta be happy. We're gonna post stuff that makes us happy, makes us feel happy. So we don't really get into the the deep stuff that we need where we could get in face-to-face. And so learning how to connect in, a, in an effective way in a digital space, but also as, you know, the the virus um, or the vaccine comes and we can get back to some community, face-to-face community, what that looks like. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so I wanna follow that up uh, and I'm borrowing from a
0: question a little further down. Yeah. Uh, the... Um, the, the debate has begun um, mm-hmm. about post-pandemic church and online church. And uh, right. you know we've been online exclusively, mostly, for almost a year already. Um, and s- some of the research that I've seen says that younger people prefer that online church to actually going to church. Um, and, and I think, uh, <laughs> I'll refer to myself as an older person here, um uh older people can can sometimes look at that and say well that's too bad for them they should just come to the building because that's that's better Mm -hmm. so how do you handle that dynamic with everything that you've just said about the importance of community and physical community but also the opportunity to reach people who might not come to the building if there is an online option like is that okay for someone to be involved in a church virtually or where do you where do you draw the line
7: yeah that's a good question i um, I just had this conversation with our pastor uh, a couple days ago, what they're, they've put a lot of thought into what's going to happen next. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it is an interesting dynamic. Uh, and I have, I don't have research. I just have a, uh, a, a speculation or a mm-hmm. feeling that sometimes that people are preferring online church because it removes accountability and mm-hmm. it removes the hard, the hard, uh, um, I want to say hardness. It's not the right word, but just this idea, like following Christ is not, is not meant, is not easy. Yeah. Right. Particularly in the culture we live in, but it's a lot easier when I don't have to look my friend in the face or my neighbor in the face and, and I can do church how I want to do church. Um, I can roll out of bed when I want. And there's so, and I don't want to say it's a lack of discipline because I don't want to sound like an old person either. (laughs) This generation (laughs) is so, Yeah. But I think that, I think it, and and again, this, from my theological perspective and what I've seen, I think uh, developmentally, faith-wise, no, no physical gathering, just all online, I think hinders uh, adolescent faith development. Mm. Because uh, apart from they maybe their parents.
0: Great. I think that episode with Andrew Evans might be one of my favorites of the year. Actually, it was, it was deep and it was wide and uh, he had some good insights. Mm -hmm. Next up season two, episode five. So this is a fairly recent episode. We interviewed Brian Bourne, who's the president of Columbia Bible college and formerly of of Ross road. And uh, we talked with him um, again about a lot of things, uh, some COVID related and leadership lessons that he's learned throughout the pandemic which i think are applicable to leaders but also just to all of us because of the times we're living in and the things that we've dealt with and so uh, we asked him what leadership lessons he's learned he starts out by saying he's not sure if he learned any new lessons (laughs) but then he talks about some of the lessons that were helpful to him uh, to be reminded of and i think they're helpful for us so uh
2: here it is even looking back on it i think maybe helped prepare me for this one too
1: so now what do you feel like you've learned, uh, or a leadership lesson you've learned in the COVID pandemic?
2: Yeah, interesting you asked me that question, Holly. Um, it's great to hear from you both what you've learned. but. Um, I, I, since I had a chance to (laughs) prepare myself a little before this (laughs) conversation, I I really was thinking about this. Um, I I don't know that I would say I've learned a lot of new lessons. Mm -hmm. What I would say is that some of the lessons I knew before previously have been reinforced. And, um, And the longer this goes on, uh, the more that's the case. Uh, Let me give you a couple of examples on that side. Um, you know, I, I think many of us who are in leadership want people to like us (laughs) Yeah. and, and we want, um, we want people to be unified and we want people to be together and, um, And we'll do a lot, sacrifice a lot in a lot of cases to make those things happen. And, um, you know, as as I've been involved in leadership here in the last 20 months or so of the pandemic, uh, I think I've become more and more um, comfortable with simply doing the best that I can. Uh, You know, praying, leaving it in God's hands maybe not worrying quite as much about whether or not everybody likes me. Mm. Um, as long as when I go home at night that my wife still does mm. that my children do. And fortunately my grandchildren at an age where basically I can't do anything wrong. <laughs> so if I'm feeling bad about myself, I just go and visit my grandkids cause they think I'm awesome. Um, you know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I would just say that that aspect of of being able to to leave certain things and and not, um, yeah, not get so bent out of shape about every kind of situation, um, you know, a term that I was well aware of in the past. They talk about non-anxious, non-anxious leadership and uh you know i think sometimes our leaders operate and and i do too out of out of stress or anxiety or fear and uh and that you know whether you say that or even do it consciously people that are following pick that up and and it leads us it doesn't lead us to good places And, and so i i've tried to um I actually spend more time in the mornings uh, than I did pre-pandemic in prayer, spending time in the Word, um, just meditation and reflection, so that when I arrive at the college and I start connecting with people, I'm in a good place, you know, I'm. no matter what the problems are, you know, whatever's going to come that day, because there's so many Throughout the pandemic, there's been so many twists and turns and uncertainties and, you know, angry people and all kinds of things to deal with. And, and I just need to be in that place where I'm walking with Jesus and, mm-hmm. and I want to be in that place. So that's that's been a key lesson. Uh, I would say another lesson that's been really important to me is um, to try and listen more and better, um, not to be quick to speak but especially, like I say, I mean, I, I certainly come into contact with lots of folks who haven't appreciated the decisions that that I or our leadership team have made. Um, yeah, all kinds of situations where there, there's the potential for conflict for at least for disagreement on that side. And, and I've tried to take the position of just step back and listen, hear what people's concerns are. What are the questions that they're asking? Um, and and not uh, immediately go on the defensive or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, I don't know. maybe maybe it's partially age and and some of these other things, but I am I am finding myself um, just having a a, a a greater level of faith that that Jesus is with us, that God is in control that um yeah getting angry or stressed out it actually isn't going to help anything
1: so it's interesting that you just chose a clip for us to listen to that was from season two i feel like everything that i went back and listened to was kind of from season one but uh i enjoy our season two episodes a lot Mm -hmm. as well you can kind of tell that um yeah just with the new intro and we've been doing it a bit longer and there's a there's a good energy in in season two it's great and we, so we have new more- microphones so oh, it's sounds better yeah and
0: uh, yeah i was just thinking 2021 which included some of season two as well mm-hmm.
1: yeah so. really really upped our podcast game so that's <laughs> awesome uh this uh next episode that i wanted to highlight was episode 38 with Shalane strom I think this whole podcast is really engaging and Mm -hmm. we talked a lot about defining poverty and that's especially what this next clip is going to be talking about was how to define poverty. And then we'll talk a little bit about a book as well. I mean, that's if you go and you listen to the rest of the podcast is you can hear uh, a book about a book called Helping Without Hurting and just really, really interesting insights in there that kind of have reshaped. I read the book and we talked about it at youth group and it really made me rethink how I think about all things, like what is poverty and how do we help those experiencing homelessness. So this whole episode, I really, really like, I would really recommend giving the whole thing a listen. But yeah, here is this clip uh, regarding how we can define poverty.
0: So when we hear the word poverty, uh, all of us have some things that come to mind. Um, Some of them probably are, are, um, are accurate or 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 true some of them maybe are assumptions we're making and some of them some of the things we're thinking about maybe are false so how do you think we should define poverty
8: well let me start by telling you a story so one sunday morning my husband bill went downstairs into his shop and as he went to walk across to the deep freeze he noticed that there was this puddle of water on the floor And the puddle of water was not associated with anything that he could point to right away that was there was nothing leaking right there. There was no glass that had obviously spilled or something. And so he did the next most natural thing and that was to look up. And sure enough, out of the ceiling was this slow drip. And it was coming down through the ceiling tile and creating this puddle on the floor. So what would be the logical thing for him to do? Some people might say it would be grab a roll of duct tape and cover up the hole and stop the water from dripping and causing a puddle on the floor. So you might think, okay, now he's got the tape on the ceiling. Now the puddle is all wiped up. Everything's fine. Because I can no longer see the evidence of the problem. Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes, what happens next? What happens over the next couple hours, maybe days, as the water, because what was really going on, as you probably figured out, is there was a tap underneath the bathroom sink upstairs that had sprung a leak. And that's where the water was coming from. So because there's duct tape on the one hole, now there's potential for the water to spread into different areas above the ceiling tile and to potentially, in a workplace that I was in once, actually, this something like this happened and we were standing around the desk and all of a sudden the entire ceiling collapsed all over the desk and the fax machine oh. and everything. And it was just this gush of water and ceiling tile and debris. So... What does that have to do with poverty? It's exactly what we often do when we think of poverty. We look at symptoms and we try to put Band-Aid solutions to the symptoms. And what we fail to do is get to the root cause of what's really going on. And it wasn't until that pipe was replaced that the rest of the other pieces could be really properly fixed or could be really properly addressed. So when we're talking about poverty, if we're just stuck on addressing symptoms and we don't ever get to root causes, then we're probably potentially even perpetuating the issue or making it worse. So Food for the Hungry, and we're not alone in this, there's lots of different organizations who believe that When we look at the root causes of poverty, where we need to start is in Genesis, actually. And we need to look at the relationships that God placed us in. And so when God created Adam and Eve, he created people to be in four key relationships with him. He wanted people to be in relationship with himself. We know that Adam and Eve walked and talked with God on a daily basis, and they recognized his voice because they had a relationship together. God also wants relationship with others. He designed us to be in relationship with others. He created that social relationship between Adam and Eve, and we saw from the beginning that that plan was for good and harmonious and just relationships with other people. He created us as humans to have a relationship with creation. So that physical relationship where God positioned Adam and Eve to be caretakers of the earth and established that relationship between humanity and his physical world. And then the fourth one is the relationship with ourselves. And we're clear from Genesis that humans were created in God's image. And as image bearers of God, we are all created with that inherent dignity and worth that I mentioned earlier. So because we have the image of our creator, that allows us to live in and have a a healthy self-image and sense of purpose. So I know you guys know the rest of the story. It's not news to you that those relationships were broken, sin entered in, and that's the point where poverty began. So if we want to look at the root cause of poverty, that's really where we have to start, is recognizing it as broken relationships. So what can we conclude from that? Well, um, that we're all impoverished, that we are all part of humanity that has these broken relationships that are in need of reconciliation and healing through Jesus. The thing that gets people a little bit stumped at times is, okay, so now you're telling me that we're all impoverished, the ground is level, but I look around and I think the ground is not level. Mm -hmm. There are people who we would say are living in very impoverished kind of situations. And what I would answer to that is we are all equally impoverished. We are just not all equally vulnerable. Mm. And to me, that was kind of like the mind blowing distinction because I recognized that I have, uh, I have as much need of that reconciliation and, and a savior. I just don't have as many um, vulnerabilities as some people do. I have lots of my own vulnerabilities, but they're just maybe not as obvious or as potentially life-threatening as some people.
0: And last but not least, we didn't rank these in any particular order. I'm going to go way back to episode number 31, which was, I think back in February where we talked with Brian Cooper, who is associate professor of theology at MB seminary. And, um, well, I really went academic with my choices, didn't I? You did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't think about that until right now. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Brian Cooper, a theology professor, and we had a conversation with him that I think is fascinating, especially in light of how the year kind of unfolded. We talked with him about um, how we should think as Christians about human rights and freedoms, especially when it comes to COVID, and how Christians should interact with politics And some of the government restrictions that are upon us. And so um, uh, interesting. I'm sure that some of our listeners will agree with this perspective and others might not. But um, it's, uh, I think, really interesting food for thought and particularly in light of more experience that we have now, uh, you know, 10 or 12 months down the road.
5: So here's Brian Cooper think that actually a, a public conversation about, about rights, it can be a very fruitful missional conversation for Christians as well, especially where there is the opportunity to advocate on the basis of personal rights or civil rights for people whose rights are being um, taken away or, or, or suppressed. I think that what Christians need to be aware of is that personal rights are personal rights for everybody. There are times when we want to speak up against an, an injustice, an, a genuine injustice, and say, our rights are being uh, taken away, and, but not in a way that draws attention to us in particular, but mm. draws attention to, to, the, to the justice issue. But I think we should be as quick to point to other instances where other people's rights mm. are being uh, infringed upon, even if it doesn't directly uh, affect us. And I think that you know, the work of, of organizations like the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada that are uh, rooted in uh, attempts to do Christian advocacy work for justice, I mean, and internationally, there's the work of, of organizations like the International Justice Mission offer Christians uh, an opportunity to hold governments to account for maintaining standards of justice, maintaining standards of integrity that, that operate at a civil level. We're not expecting them to, to act like christians but we're acting them to adhere to at least the minimum standard of justice that all citizens of a country have the right to expect that kind of work is work that christians should embrace because when we make sure that other people are taken care of we open the door to relationship and communication and mission in in respect of those people we don't do it to manipulate them But when we create the opportunity for relationship, we make the gospel winsome. And we show the gospel to be as truly uh, good uh, a message as it really is. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to hear your answer for this next question because it's a topic that I'm like very fascinated about. So what do you believe is the right relationship between church and state?
5: I think that... Christians should engage the political process mm-hmm. fully and wholeheartedly, but in a nonpartisan way. I think our focus should be uh, to to, uh, to uh, respond to the issues rather than to respond to the people. So, for example, I don't know if you've ever seen a uh, on on online when there's a when there's an election, usually the CBC has a a link to a website called the Vote Compass and the Vote Compass actually identifies key election issues and where each party uh, lands in respect to those issues and questions, political, economic, social and others. Christians should be aware of of where uh, parties are. We should be aware of where our convictions take us and prayerfully make the the best choice we can, recognizing that no political party embodies a Christian agenda. But engaging the process, responding to candidates, availing ourselves of of all the opportunities that we have to to gain information in order to make an informed decision, then we should be out and voting. I don't know that it's necessarily very helpful for us to attach our... our, um, missional objectives to a uh, a political party. I think that actually necessarily takes us uh, askew, mm-hmm. but uh, discerning wisely is, is, is a great thing. Another area where I think Christians should be involved is in, in making sure that we are doing what we can to a- allow everybody to partake of the process. Um, in our family, we have a, a, an established tradition of working as election officials when there's a election, municipal, provincial or federal. We wanna be the best and courteous, most courteous rather and, and most helpful election officials that we can so that we help everybody exercise their opportunity to vote and be part of the process. We live in, a, in, a, in what is supposed to be a democratic society. We want people to buy in and engage. Mm. So I think that's a, a great thing. And I think that the third thing is that Christians have an, an opportunity through church activities, through church engagement in mission, to engage social issues in their communities and show themselves to be a a vital part of the community. I had this horrible insight a number of years ago that if all of the churches in Canada evaporated instantly, there are a lot of communities where people wouldn't even notice. And that, I think, was the most horrifying thing I could think of. I think that people when there are needs in the community, well, want to look for a place where there's hope. And if a church isn't doesn't provide that, then what are we here for? Partisan involvement doesn't have to be a part of our agenda, but, but political, social, economic engagement is part of what we do as Christians. It's what the early church did. One of the, one of the very first things that, the, that the, the church did in the book of Acts was organize so that widows who were non-Hebrew speaking, got food baskets. They effectively set up a food bank.
7: Mm -hmm.
5: And and they elected the the first deacons to oversee that. That was one of the first organized efforts of the early church. I think that's a great model for us to to follow.
3: Yeah. Mm, That's a great
0: answer. So Brian, would you ever stand up and say uh, publicly, I am voting for X candidate uh, or X party because of these kinds of reasons? Or would you shy away from doing that to allow other people to engage with the issues on their own?
5: I think as a theologian and as a leader, it's my responsibility to, act, to raise awareness around the questions. Mm-hmm. so if I think that, I don't know, fracking is a key question, and if homelessness is a key question, I'm going to talk about the issues and talk about <clears throat> how my christian conscience is stirred by uh the need to respond to those issues mm-hmm. I, I think it's irresponsible of me to to point to uh a particular political candidate as being my choice or because then i must then i might create the perception that it's that person is a christian's choice at least in a public way mm-hmm. in a private conversation I might t- speak more freely because I'll have opportunity to contextualize my context, my, my con, my con uh, comments, excuse me. But I think that uh, in a, in a, in a large gatherings, focusing on the issues and on, and on Christian response to issues, gives people the opportunity to prayerfully discern sort of individually and in groups, what they're going to do. And some people's consciences will take them in a certain direction. Some people, well, their consciences will take them in a slightly different direction. And that's okay. We don't all have to be in lockstep on, on kind of political and economic and other issues of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that one of the dangers for us when we get ourselves attached to a particular candidate or party is we, we have blind spots that we refuse to acknowledge and, uh, and there are issues that we just pretend don't exist in this party's candidate
5: uh, or on their platform. Uh, and right. that, that's troubling. Well, and it seems to me that in, in Canada, unlike the United States, in the United States, they seem to idolize whoever it is the pre- is the president, or at least a lot of people do, not everybody. In Canada, the, the, the favorite posture seems to be to take pot shots at whoever is the prime minister. It seems, it seems to be in our national ethos mm. to, to poke. And we don't vote uh, governments in, we vote them out. All right. But I think that in, as a Canadian, I have a, a responsibility to do what I can to help make my government the best government it could be. Yeah, I mean it's it's accountable to me and to people like me. Why are, why are we not actually trying to help our government? Maybe we have to point the finger and say, "Hey, you need to do better." But I think we also need to be just as quick to affirm good decisions when they are made by governing officials, whether that governing party is our chosen party or not.
0: Well, there you have it, everybody. There's uh, some highlights of six of our episodes of the Ross Road Connect podcast in 2021. Uh, We're excited to get another year going. Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, we've got our first two episodes uh, lined up and ready to come at you. The first one with Dwayne and Helen Rainwater, some of our missionaries, and then with Jason Lepp, a Christian business person within our church, and both of those conversations are very interesting. Mm -hmm. And so... Always welcome to feedback. If you've got someone that you think we should talk to or have some suggestions on how we can make this better, please let us know. And
1: unless there's any final words of wisdom from you, Holly. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know, my first instinct was to just quote Michael Scott from The Office, but only maybe like 10% of listeners would. would think that was funny. So, um, well, what were you going to quote? Now you have to say it. <laughs> I was just going to start rambling, like when Michael is asked in an interview where he's like, he's just, he babbles on with his answer and he's like, don't ever do anything to anyone for any reason ever. And he's like, you know, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> that's, that's my, you. that's my, uh, that's my beautiful advice. That's,
0: that's a great way to end the year, I think. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome
0: okay thanks for listening we will uh, see you or you will hear us uh, more mm-hmm. accurately in 2022 yeah